This is our fourth session on 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13, and I hope you are willing to put on your thinking cap because it is one of the more complex theological issues or exegetical issues. I'll show you in just a minute what I mean. I hope we can follow this together. And may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So what we're going to tackle now is the teaching that there is a holiness that is flowing from this love, the increase and abound, abounding nature of your loving one another will be the cause of your being established in blameless holiness at the coming of the Lord Jesus. What does, what does that blamelessness mean since it flows from our loving each other? So, Father, I pray that you would teach us in such a way that there's a vigilance over our love for one another and our pursuit of holiness without which we will not see the Lord, according to Hebrews 12.14. And so there would be a seriousness about our Christian life and yet a glorious security and certainty that we are going to be found acceptable at the Lord's coming. That's the challenge, Lord. We need your help. I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what condition must we be in when the Lord Jesus comes in order for us to be found acceptable to him? And, of course, the fundamental gospel answer all over the New Testament is that we must be found in faith clothed with the forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ because our own performances are always imperfect and God demands that we be perfect. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 is this gospel. God has not destined us for wrath. In other words, when the Lord comes, and he's coming, remember, to deliver us from the wrath to come, chapter 1, verse 10, he's not destined us, destining us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. How can that be? Well, he died for us. He took our place. He bore our sin so that whether we are awake or asleep, that is, alive or dead, we will live with him. So when he comes, we don't need to be afraid because he has died in our place and we can plead his blood covering our sins. That's the condition we must be found in. Or Paul says it positively in terms of having an alien righteousness from Christ in Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience, that would be Adam, the many were appointed sinners, so we all fall in Adam, so by one man's obedience, that's Christ, 
the many will be appointed righteous. So that's the condition we must be in when the Lord comes to be established in holiness before our God and Father at his coming, beneath whatever imperfect holiness we perform through love, there must be this rock-solid forgiveness of sins and imputed righteousness to be accepted by the all-glorious Lord Jesus. Now, that's not what this text is saying. This text is not contradicting that at all. It's just teaching something very, very different that we need to be sure we see. This text is teaching that our practical, lived-out love for one another is the means by which, that's found in this so that here, we are established in a blamelessness in holiness before the God and Father when the Lord comes. That's not imputed righteousness. That is real, lived-out righteousness. That's not the forgiveness of sins. That's the avoidance of sins. Now, this blamelessness here sounds like perfection, like, like we got to love each other perfectly or we won't be blameless. But that's not the meaning of the word blameless in this letter. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you. Paul's already, short of the second coming, claiming that he was blameless in their presence. So blameless doesn't mean sinless perfection. Paul knows he's not sinless, according to Philippians 3.12. He hasn't arrived yet. This is a keeping short accounts. If you fall short, you confess your sin, you get right with God, and you walk in the light, not claiming to be sinless, but claiming to be ever repenting of any known sin and walking in purity. Here it is again, the same idea in Philippians 1.9. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So your love, your practical love, abounding with, with knowledge, and it gets more and more. So this is, this is practical lived out love so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So here again, our blameless presence on the day of Christ is described as brought about by our love, increasing, and our proving what is excellent. This is real, lived-out righteousness or holiness. Now, since it doesn't have to be flawlessly perfect, what I would say is that imperfect blamelessness, imperfect blamelessness must confirm that we are perfectly forgiven and perfectly righteous by faith in Christ. So our Standing in Christ, which is our final basis of acceptance, is confirmed by this kind of life, which is why it's necessary. Now, is it certain? Will we make it? 
will all the elect, all those who are born of God, all those who are justified by faith, will we make it? Will we actually live like this and so be found blameless at the day of Christ? And I'm going to point you now to texts that are amazingly reassuring. Number one, we are elect for this. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So we're chosen for this. This is not up for grabs. If we're chosen, this is going to happen. And those who are chosen are predestined for adoption, and those who are predestined are called, and those who are called are justified, and those who are justified are glorified, Romans 8. 30. Or here it is again in Philippians 1 6. I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So the progressive work that is underway in our loving each other and being established in holiness now is going to be brought to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Or here it is again. In 1 Corinthians 1, Christ will sustain you to the end guiltless. That same idea does not mean sinless, but rather keeping short accounts, walking in the light, hating our sin, renouncing it, repenting of it, confessing it. Christ will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. He will do it. God is faithful. He will sustain you guiltless. And that word guiltless, just lest you don't take my word for it, here it is in Titus 1.7. An overseer, an elder, as God's steward, must be above reproach. That's the word. Nobody can be an elder. Nobody can be a pastor in a church unless they are Anenkleiton, and that's the word right here. It doesn't mean sinlessly perfect in Paul's language. Here's another reassuring promise from 1 Thessalonians itself. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to do it. And lest we forget this blameless here, he's going to keep us blameless. That word is used here in 2.10. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. So Paul was blameless, and it doesn't mean sinlessly perfect. So, back to our main text. He is praying that we would increase and abound in love for one another. That's real, practical, lived-out love for each other, so that by that real, practical, holy love for each other, we would be established blameless in holiness before God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus. That practical, imperfect blamelessness, it's not sinless, 
its imperfect, above-reproach blamelessness is founded on the gospel of forgiveness through faith alone, justification and righteousness through faith alone, and then this love yielding this establishment in holiness confirms that we are really in Christ, and thus when the Lord comes, we do not need to be ashamed and we do not need to fear because we will be accepted for Christ's sake.